0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 15th episode of the 4Verse Podcast. Um, today's episode is a little bit shorter because there's you know, there's only one recap. And unfortunately, there was an overview to do at the time of recording, but the South Carolina versus UAB bowl game has been canceled due to South Carolina having a little COVID outbreak. Um, so I guess just disregard any of our mentions of that game because it is no longer happening. But anyways, um, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in, let's get it. Out this week, the Clemson Notre Dame game for the ACC championship. Um, Sam, if you want to give us a little breakdown of that,
1: man, this was really fun to watch. After about the first uh, ten minutes of the game, but uh, you know, last week I talked about three things, um, and the two biggest of those being obviously with Trevor Lawrence back, he had to be a factor with his legs, just because he opens up so much for the rest of the offense. Uh, and then the other thing was was having uh, Tyler Davis back in the middle along with James Gowski. Uh, just getting the the core of your defense back, uh, we needed to play a lot better at the point of attack. Uh, but I did mention that I was I was still a little bit concerned about our ability to win, you know, the, the physical matchups at the line of scrimmage, specifically when we have the football, because our offensive line got whooped so badly last time. But, you know, really, really all three of those things worked out beautifully. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, again, he needed to be a factor in the run game because we know that at the end of the season, uh, when there's big games, trophies on the line, Clemson will run their quarterback. There's nothing to be scared of. There's no there's no fear of getting a guy hurt. You need to go out and do what you got to do to win the game. So Trevor Lawrence, uh, he led the team with 14 carries, uh, ended with 90 yards. Uh, that included a 34-yard touchdown to seal the game uh, later on in the third quarter. Yeah, he was um, scooting. He was. If you go back and watch that play, our right tackle, Jordan McFadden, um, we let the H-back kick out on the uh, – um, on his defensive end and he just worked up on the linebacker. And I don't know, I, I didn't see his number because he got absolutely mauled. He took that kid and threw him to spring Trevor. So, you know, again, that, that pretty much sealed the game. Uh, Notre Dame did have two sacks, uh, but I thought Trevor Lawrence was, was outstanding in the pocket. There were a few times where he had to move off the spot. They were able to, you know, get around his feet, but he didn't go down. Um, even the touchdown throw to EJ Williams, the way he's able to step up in the pocket, avoid some guys, and, and, and throw an absolute dot, you know, 20-some-odd yards down the field to, to E.J. Williams on a, on a dead sprint was, was pretty pretty nice. Um, but Travis Etienne finally showed up. Imagine that. Only had 10 carries, but, you know, had, a, had 124 yards and a touchdown. Um, Trevor had a little bit of a mental mistake there at the end. He thought on the check down to Etienne, he thought Etienne had the first down, but turns out it was third and one. He spikes the football. Uh, so, we got a fourth and one uh, from the 44, and you just you just give it to Travis on the edge and speed kills.
0: Yeah, and you know, um, that I think that shows the impact that Trevor Lawrence has on the offense, because, I mean, the first game, y'all ran for what, a total of 30 yards?
1: Yeah, 33 and, carries for 34 yards.
0: And then you got ETN going off and, and Trevor getting 90 yards this game. So, I mean.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think the the interesting part is Travis – he had three catches for 12 yards, um, pretty pedestrian, had four targets. Uh, we tried to throw him one on the wheel route, had him matched up on a, on a linebacker, and, and Trevor rolled out to his left, uh, flipped his hips, and threw it back down towards the right side of the field, towards the numbers. He just couldn't track the ball long enough. Um, but he wasn't used as much as I expected, honestly. I felt like we might try and do some different things with him, splitting him out the slot, You know, just motioning back and forth. But, again, just just not as much usage as I expected, but he was far more efficient than I would have ever guessed. Um, you know, just basing it off last time, our offensive line, we haven't made any changes. Their defensive front seven hasn't been any changes. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence being in there, you're not going to have Kyle Hamilton and some other guys triggering on any run actions. But So you can essentially take one man out of the box by having Trevor Lawrence taking the snap. Uh, but I wouldn't have guessed, you know, ETN would have been – as successful as he was, so so shout out to the offensive line. They played their best game of the year, uh, consistently opening up holes, winning one-on-one matchups. Uh, like I talked about on the touchdown run for Trevor Lawrence um, with um, McFadden getting up to the second level, that was something we saw all day. Guys were, you know, just playing within the scheme, getting up to the second level, getting a hat on a hat. Um, you know, so it's it's amazing what Travis Etienne can do when you give him a hole, when he's not getting hit behind the line of scrimmage like he was the first time. He's he's a different player and EJ Williams, man, had a coming out party, Uh, four catches for 80 yards, had a 33-yard touchdown uh, halfway through the second quarter, and then obviously right there, uh, you know, on the drive where Trevor ends up scoring, uh, on a third down, has a huge one-handed catch down the sideline, Um, very, uh, looked a lot like Justin Ross as a freshman at the end of the year when he started to kind of come into his own and and really started winning some one-on-ones, but um, he's, he's shown to be a factor, uh, down the stretch. Uh, so basically he's playing a lot of the X receiver. So your field wide receiver spot, um, having Cornell on the boundary and then, and then Amari in the slot. Amari had another huge game, uh, eight catches for 121 yards, had the 67 yard touchdown to really get things going. Uh, Cornell was more quiet in this game. Didn't have, uh, you know, the, the success taking the top off like he did, uh, in South Bend. He had four catches for 59 yards though. Um. But that combination, you know, EJ to the field, Amari in the slot, Cornell in the boundary, that's, that's where we can really, you know, stress teams and their secondaries. Um, and it's amazing because, you know, you look at the sideline and there's, there's Justin Ross, Joseph Ngata, Frank Latson, two five-stars, a high four-star guy, um, and, and none of them are available right now. So, you know, I like our starting group. Uh, we just still lack some depth. Um, but, but the guys that are out there and running routes are making plays. Uh, and then the last thing is I talked about how, how guys were uh, triggering on run actions against DJ the first time. Kyle Hamilton was the main one. He was basically playing as that eight, eighth guy in the box. Um, so early on in the game, he made his presence known. Uh, Trevor had a little RPO slant. And just – I guess he just tried to throw it right by the, the linebacker because, I mean, he threw it – he threw it like a – he threw it basically at his face mask um, looking to Cornell – uh, and the guy was able to tip it. Kyle Hamilton to pick it off. He he got hurt um, right after halftime, about midway through the third quarter. He was grabbing his ankle or foot. He didn't play after that, but still ended up with ten tackles. Um, but again, that just speaks to to what Trevor can do by by just being on the field. He was able to take a man out of the box, and, and like you said, Jacob, that that opens up so much more for the offense. That he just he just kind of scares defenses a little bit. They can't they can't cheat on the run because they know that if there's a hole back there. he's going to find it and he's got the arm to make all the throws. So uh, it was good to see, you know, Notre Dame play a more traditional defensive structure and we could really, you know, exploit that. Um, But again, very, very surprised with how efficient we were in the run game. Um, You know, I figured Trevor would, would run the ball a good bit. I don't know if I would have guessed 14 carries Um, certainly wouldn't have guessed going for 90 yards, but I'll absolutely take it Uh, defensively. Again, I, I talked about last week in the preview about how, how getting Davis Suskowski back up the middle was going to be huge, and was it ever? I mean, 47. That dude's everywhere. Uh, he was talking his shit after every play, every tackle he's in on, and he and he's letting them know about it. Um, but I thought, you know, the the main thing with getting Tyler Davis back a couple of weeks ago is I thought that he was going to really open up Brian Brice. Now, against Pitt and, and Virginia Tech, we didn't really see Brian Brice do a whole lot, frankly. Uh, but I thought he probably 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 one of his best games of the year because you have Tyler Davis over there in the middle eating up double teams. So that's allowing Brian Bersi to work one-on-one with the guard. And he was, you know, I, I've talked about this uh, in recent weeks that he's, he's a big guy, and in high school, he's able to just lean on people. He can run through you. He doesn't have to use his hands. He doesn't have to, you know, he doesn't have to do anything other than just be big. Uh, so for him, he's been inconsistent with the use of his hands, but when he does use his hands, he's very disruptive. Um, there were there were a handful of plays, especially down there on the goal line, uh, the drive that they ended up missing the field goal. He's he's in the backfield at the snap immediately, uh, working between Tommy Trimble and the uh, and the right tackle. Uh, so I thought there was a lot of things he did that that probably didn't show up in the stat sheet. Uh, you know, only had two tackles, but he was he was extremely disruptive the whole game. Uh, the same could be said for Miles Murphy, but the biggest thing was how we bracketed the pocket. I talked about not letting Ian Book beat you with his legs. Um, not letting him get out there and look like Johnny Manziel. The first game, he had 67 yards rushing. And, and the biggest part was he wasn't as, as deadly running the ball as he was, you know, extending plays outside the pocket, getting outside and, and finding a receiver downfield for 25 or 30 yards. That's what really hurt us, not necessarily him running. But this time we've racketed the pocket. I mean, we ended with six sacks, uh, you know, book ended with 10 carries for negative 35 yards on the ground. We, you know, he was he had time to throw in the sense that we weren't necessarily blitzing and and getting a ton of pressure, but we had outstanding coverage down the field of those six sacks. I would say probably three, maybe four of them at least are covered sacks where he's holding the ball for more than three seconds. You know, just running around back there with nowhere to go with the football, no answers. Uh, So. Obviously, I felt like the defensive line played well, but the, the secondary is, is really what what came into their own, which is surprising because it started out a little bit shaky. Um, the first – obviously, the first drive for, for Notre Dame, they marched the ball right down the field, uh, had to settle for a field goal. And then the second drive, after our first possession ends in an interception, they have the ball uh, on, I think, our about 40. Uh, so, they're, they're already in plus territory – they are able to get the ball down uh, inside the 15, and they miss a field goal, a, a chip shot field goal. Then the next drive, after we score a touchdown, now it's 7-3. to three, They're trying to answer, and they're still moving the ball consistently at this point. Then they get down in the red zone, fourth down. They, I, I think Brian Kelly realized that this is a different offense with Trevor Lawrence, and he needed to take a chance. Uh, so on fourth and three, uh, Book was able to get outside the pocket. Avery Davis found a hole. The throw was a little bit high, but it hit him in the hands. Uh, he should have caught it. But after that play, the the wind really went out of Notre Dame's sails. It seemed like they were just deflated from that point on. Um, and, and, and we really took control of the game. Um, but, you know, last time we got killed in the running department. This time we controlled the line of scrimmage as a team. Notre Dame had 30 carries for 44 yards on Saturday. We had – they had 40 for 208 the first time. So – when you consider the fact that the rushing stats were flipped, they outgained us 208-34 to 34 in Notre Dame the first time. And then on Saturday, we outgained them 219-44 to 44 on the ground. So when you're able to control the line of scrimmage defensively, and then obviously that shows that we're controlling the line of scrimmage on offense, it's hard to beat. I talked about last week that it's hard to beat a team when you get whooped on the line of scrimmage. I didn't expect this, but I'm, I'm certainly glad that it happened. And the other part is third downs. Notre Dame was 10 of 19 the first time, just 3 of 12 on Saturday. And 0 for 1 on fourth down, obviously. So That's not what you want. The stats that matter, six sacks. They're 3 of 12 on third downs. Their quarterback has negative 35 yards rushing. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's hard to win like that. Um, but like I said, I felt like it was probably the most complete game of the season we played. And, and what a great time to peak. Um, defense took a little while to settle in, but really after the first quarter, uh, Notre Dame, like I said, had a few drives where they weren't able to come up with points and they were down close to the end zone. And that's – I mean, other than that, they really didn't even sniff the goal line until late in the third quarter when we were mixing in second, third stringers and, and whatnot. Um, so the one thing I will say, after the interception, I was very concerned because obviously Notre Dame is marching up and down the field. We get the ball and 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 we we turn it over immediately. After that interception, on the next two drives, Trevor Lawrence was three for four with 121 yards and two touchdowns. After the after the turnover, Clemson's remaining drives of the first half went touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. So after we turned the ball over, we went on an absolute rampage for 24 points. Gave up no points for them after the turnover. So again, the rushing stats flipped. You have an early turnover, but your quarterback is Trevor Lawrence. It's uh, it's just hard to beat a team like us right now because, I mean, I think we're – like I said, the receiver depth is, is not great. The offensive line is not great. But if we play like we did Saturday, we can, we can beat anybody in the country. So, uh, But I also thought Tony Elliott probably called his best game of the year. I thought we really kept him off balance. We ran a lot of different route concepts against Virginia Tech. We didn't do anything special, um, but against against Notre Dame, our route concepts were a lot a lot better, uh, switch routes, freeing up guys on the edge, um, you know. And, and, again, Brent Venables does what he always does, big games, we're going to blitz their dicks off. That's the strategy, <laughs> period. So he brought pressure from a lot of different places, and it wasn't so much pressure. It was more like, hey, we're going to just stay in our lanes and, and just let Ian Book run around until one of us can get him. And it worked. So, you know, just all around, I mean, not a flawless game, but but pretty damn close.
0: Yeah, it was unfortunate.
1: Yeah, for Notre Dame. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, with that being the only recap, I guess we just hop into some questions.
2: That was a pretty good recap, Sam.
0: Uh, very thorough.
2: Man, it, I try it was and, enjoyable to listen to I'm sitting here eating the quesadilla. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: just try and get the people what they want you know yeah maybe you didn't watch the game you don't have to just listen to me
2: I just I just I, I didn't watch a whole lot I, I just I just watched it after listening to that yeah
1: Yep. there's nothing else to see I just told you everything that happened mm-hmm. all right so I guess we'll get into some questions obviously the playoff field was uh, was released on Sunday so do you guys feel like the committee got it right if not what would your top four be?
0: Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of going back and forth on whether Notre Dame should be in or Ohio State should be in. Um, you know, if you take Notre Dame out, then you put Texas a and in. I mean, it doesn't make that much of a difference, I guess, from a, from a neutral fan perspective, because both of those teams would get killed by Bama anyways.
1: But one of them already did, being the difference, yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I feel like there's always going to be some controversy in whether the, the committee gets it right,
2: um, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, is it ever going to be perfect? I don't know because there's always going to be a fan base getting in their eyes screwed. But, I mean, I just – you take Ohio State out, who do you put in? I mean, any team you say, you can give a reason why they shouldn't. So, yeah, um,
1: that's the main thing, I feel like. You know, obviously A&M, probably Cincinnati and Coastal, um, maybe even Florida. There, there are a handful of teams that, that have a case to be made. But, you know, yeah, I think it's negligible when you consider you've only got four slots. Two of them are locks, and you have Ohio State that, you know, are they one of the four best teams? Maybe. We really don't know. They certainly, I don't think they've proved to be a top-four team. Um, but you know they haven't lost their conference champions so I think by the formula they normally go by they they maybe should have been in Um, but like you said there's no there's no way to get it right somebody always gets screwed. My thing is like when you just said that um,
3: you know you look at the four best teams and Notre Dame just played a playoff team and got smacked by 24 points. And yeah, AM did lose to Alabama, but that was four months ago. You know, that was about Denver, Jalen
1: Waddell, like Jimbo said. Yeah. So their resume is also dog shit. Yeah. Their
3: strength of schedule is six.
2: So I, they're about to have three of the teams they beat are, are well, Two already. One's about to have fired their coach as well. South Carolina fired their coach. Tennessee probably going to fire the coach. Vanderbilt fired their coach. They beat they beat Vanderbilt by five points. I get it. It's their first.
3: Well, I'm not even saying throw a And M in there. Like even. Oh, no, those, I know. I'm just saying that's what team. You Oklahoma or somebody like Notre Dame. You just saw Notre Dame play a playoff game and they got slaughtered.
1: I mean, I I, agree. I just keep I just I just keep thinking, dude. What if What if Marco Wilson? doesn't throw that dude's shoe yeah because if if Bama goes in with one loss you hang around and trade punches with Bama for four quarters yeah hell that that's good enough for me yeah but then the question becomes do they go in at four and immediately play another game against Bama some of it is for TV I mean obviously Notre Dame can't be three because you don't want to see a three-peat Texas A&M can't really get in because we've already seen that You know, there are just conflicts among your your top five or six. You don't want to put Cincinnati in there because you feel like they're going to get their teeth kicked in. So, which Georgia, please take care of business so we don't have to hear about the group of five.
2: Yeah, because Auburn sure as hell let us down a couple years ago with Cincinnati. I I mean, with uh, UCF. Yeah. Auburn Auburn let them get that ego. Yeah, and now we have to live with their national championship, you know. Sucks. (laughs) Sucks. <laughs> I just, I mean, I got. I've sat there and gone through the list myself, and there's so many different scenarios you could go with, but in the end, there's not a perfect scenario, and that's why I still feel like we're really limited with this whole four-team playoff thing.
0: Yeah, I agree. you, get,
2: I, you have a you have five power conferences, four spots. So you're telling me if every po- uh, conference has a one-loss champion. One of those gets snubbed. I mean, yeah. Do I think the Pac-12 sucks? Yeah.
1: But I think the big 10 sucks really bad this year.
2: Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, it's all it's you, you have athletic directors of schools, which for one, there's automatically a conflict of interest there. And for two, I mean, it's a business. So in the end, there's always going to be the argument that they're making decisions that make the most money.
1: Which, can you blame them? No. Uh, for uh,
2: real. Absolutely not. I, I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying I, I think the system set up now is it's an imperfect system. I don't know if there's ever a perfect solution, but I feel like at least including the five conference champions, making that a requirement. But we can talk about that in a little bit if you want.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a perfect segue into it, is, is how would you fix the playoff system so we don't have conflicts like this. Yeah, I, I think um, immediately – like, you go eight
2: teams and five power conference champions, and then you give, you know, obviously the winner of the whatever conference down in group five, there's another team, and then you have two outliers.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the easiest fix because that way with eight teams, obviously it's going to take, you know, four quarterfinal games, a couple of semis. So, I mean, really you'd only add one game to the schedule.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I I think when you talk about players going from, you know, playing, I guess you could play a maximum of 15 in college in a normal season. Well, the NFL, if you go to that league, like they're going to play 16 in the regular season. So, in in theory, more games, more TV money, more ticket sales, you know, what's the problem? Yeah. Or Or the simple solution is just go either an eight
2: conference game, um, schedule with two out of conference
1: yeah cut um, a regular season game to make it a difference
2: right yeah cut a cut of regular season game against you know one of these teams that is just going to be an
1: absolute yeah, ass whipping yeah i think i think that's the because here's my thing i think what we've seen this year is that this was probably the most competitive regular season we've had i mean that i can remember yeah i would really There's, like this yeah. I, I don't like the conference-only schedule, but I do like the fact that you're playing more conference games, you're playing more Power 5 teams. Thus, you know, Clemson is, you know, we we played Citadel, but that way we don't have to play Citadel and Kent State and then, you know, play, I don't know, Charlotte at the end of the season before Carolina. I mean, you just cut up the fluff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's only a matter of time before they modify the playoff system a little bit because – I mean, at this point, people are wanting the BCS back, which, I mean, if you remember back then, everybody bitched about that like crazy. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, the BCS is worse, let's be honest. Yeah. Now, this, the, the
2: way this schedule was this year, it created so much parity. It was interesting to see. And, I mean, I think the game needs a little bit more parity, but that's just my opinion.
3: One thing I would say about the, the playoff, though, it's kind of ruined the other bowl games. That are Without bowl. a doubt, yeah. And that's one thing that's kind of like a, a win-lose, like, from the BCS. Like, you you make it four teams in the playoff, but you also lose the fact that bowl games, the other big bowl games are teams that just slid past the top four.
1: Yeah. yeah, four four through ten is where you have teams that are good enough to have draft picks, but they really at that point they don't have anything to play for. They didn't make exactly. the playoffs. So that's those are the ones that really get the opt-outs. Yeah. Exactly. So and- like you were talking about, those next few games, those new year six, those are the ones that end up not being as good because of it. Yeah. Like yeah, I games, think the lit yeah really Yeah, sure. I
2: think back to the first year of implementing this, we played in the orange bowl. And we played Florida State in the ACC championship. And if we would have lost, like, I mean, if we would have won that game, we lost by a touchdown. we would have won that game, people obviously think, you know, maybe us winning the ACC, we could have got into it. But I think back to going to that Orange Bowl and like we won that game and shit. And that was a really big deal.
3: Mm-hmm. But now
2: it's like you see these teams and they're playing and you all automatically go, okay, well, who's about to opt out? Um, you know, do they even really care about going to play? I mean, like I think like Georgia, they've – at this point, they don't they don't care about those anymore, you know? Because so. that's no longer the
1: goal. You want to make the playoff. It's not when your conference go to the SEC. You want to go to the Sugar Bowl. The SEC, you want to go to the Orange Bowl. Right. That's no longer the goal. Right.
3: Which sucks, but. It's just how it is. But if you go to an 18 playoff, you throw the rest Bingo.
1: of the big balls in there. Yeah. But then at the same time, if you do eight, then what what happens to the to the rosters of you know nine through fifteen? Yeah. They're playing in the poopy bowls.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, really the other bowls are poopy bowls anyways, that those teams that are getting in just want to get in. If you don't make the top eight, look, if you don't win your conference, you got no reason to bitch. Yeah. If that's the rule, win your conference in a guaranteed spot. That's the rule. So if you I'm, don't, win, I'm
1: down with that though. Yeah, this that's what hard I'm to
2: win your conference. Right. That's what I'm saying. So then, outside of that, if you don't get one of those two spots, that's a flyer. Then you're going to be going to a regular bowl game, anyways. But at least you get those New Year's Six bowl games. Like you don't have a Rose Bowl that
1: meet doesn't mean anything. The Rose Bowl should always mean something yeah, every year. Yeah, hundred percent. Your traditional BCS bowl should should absolutely mean something. Right.
2: And that's how you get them back is by making them a quarterfinal game.
1: Also, eight teams in a playoff would be badass. Yeah, it would. Because <laughs> you'd have some crazy matchups.
0: Yeah. I and mean, you, you got it's every.
1: You got every
2: like good games to watch. What college yeah. football sitting? What college football fans sitting around going? Yeah, I don't really want to watch more of this shit. You know. Yeah.
1: yeah. Every Power Five champion. Let's just. Randomize the matchups. I guess we do one and eight, two and seven, so on and so forth. Yeah. Hey, you have you'd then, have some damn good games.
2: And then you get rid of this whole this conference bias versus this conference. Look, if Pac-12 champion goes out there and kicks the ACC champs' ass, you can't say anything. The two yeah. best teams in that conference just played. Yep. It's not a it's not like a one team thing where they played in the national championship. Like, you know, like a team that got there and did like Alabama when they didn't win the conference that year got there and still won, you know.
3: Yeah, it was great.
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I brought that specifically up for you, to Thanks. Nice.
1: <laughs> well, they uh we caught that work that year too. So thanks, Kelly Bryant.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So speaking of the games outside the playoff, uh which which one of those New Year's six games, any game outside the playoff, wh- which one are you most excited about?
0: Yeah, I've been going through the all the bowl games, and there's some really odd matchups. Um, you know, obviously, I'm excited for the South Carolina versus UAB game, naturally. Naturally, but let's see. Oh, uh, one that's definitely going to be interesting is Coastal Carolina versus Liberty. Yeah, because they were supposed to play, and then Liberty had a little COVID outbreak, and and now they're coming back in a bowl game to to do get out. So that one's going to be nice. Um,
1: yeah, then, I think for I think for me it's probably UNC A and M.
0: Yeah, I was that's that's the next one I was about to say. That one's going to be good
1: because you look at UNC has a really good offense. A and M is is you know they're just a really balanced team. They're a lot like Notre Dame in that sense. So yep, uh, you know, and, and Notre Dame and UNC was a was a pretty good game. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I. I...
2: I'm kinda of gonna go with the one coastals and I think that'll be interesting. But I don't I, like you said, I the way this system's done it, I really haven't looked into the other bowl games other than what the playoff games are.
0: Yeah, this yeah, whole I this whole I, this whole bowl season is just
2: all yeah, messed not up. to mention not to mention <laughs> teams that are just ass getting into bowl games. And what pisses me off is army not getting a bowl game because of conference tie ins.
3: Now now they might because <laughs> you see,
2: yeah,
3: yeah. opting out. Um, I'm looking forward to the Florida Oklahoma game. No, that
1: cop- it, so. game. I, I still think it's going to be a shootout. I agree. Oklahoma's Oklahoma's gotten better. They they really could have boat raced Iowa State, but they let them hang around and made it the game. So I feel
0: like we'll they've see. done that with everybody.
1: If Kyle Trask is in the game, give me Florida.
0: Yeah. I don't see Kyle Trask not playing.
1: Oh, he, he needs to play.
0: Yeah, I would be surprised if he didn't play. And, I mean, without having Kyle Pitts that works in Oklahoma's favor a little bit more, I mean, at full power, I think Florida wins, wins this game by double digits probably.
1: If, if it's the team that played Florida or the team that played Bama, Absolutely. Yeah, The one that played LSU, no. no shot.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It depends again, on which team. no Kyle about. Pitts that
1: game. Kyle Pitts didn't play against LSU, so.
0: That is true. Maybe that is the difference maker right there.
1: Uh, he's or just the cleat a matchup problem. Or throwing a cleat. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, throwing a yeah, cleat, definitely. I think that is the difference maker, but Kyle Pitts could be also a difference maker. But, so, now, I know this is kind of digressing, but it's kind of a short episode, but. Who do you think wins Heisman? Like your number one pick right now? Mac you... Jones. Yeah, Mac. I, I, want...
0: Devo- I want Devontae I want Devonte Smith to win it. Yeah, I want him to. win I want Devonte
2: <laughs> Smith to win it so bad, dude. But I think, think that'll I... be sick. As a homer,
1: about... I would say Trevor Lawrence, but absolutely Devonte Smith. They're he's unstoppable. What but do you how, do with that guy?
2: How about How about Alabama having three potential Heisman candidates on one side of the ball?
1: Bro, they can all win the Heisman on one yeah, side of the ball. They all, all have a legit field. argument too. They're
2: all on the field at the exact same time. Yep. That's how thank, God, thank
1: God they don't have two footballs.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> Najee would be scoring the Christ. same time Devontae is catching a touchdown. will yeah, be racing to the end zone.
1: Yeah, that'll be their only competition, is who can get there faster. <laughs> <laughs> if the Falcons
2: don't end up with Najee Harris, then they
1: should just consider this draft, you know.
3: Um <clears throat> I told uh, Jacob – wait, now y'all probably read the group message. But uh, Devontae Smith, second receptions at Alabama. Y'all know who's number one?
2: Really? Uh, uh, yeah. No, yeah. Amari cool, Cooper. Full cool history. Amari Cooper. Yep. Yeah, Amari went stupid. By, by 30. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he has like 10 more touchdowns.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he went – And Devontae had been there for four years he playing knows. consistently. He yes. went so
2: – Stupid
1: uh, Alabama. He's one that kind of gets lost too. I feel like you remember Julio being the the original just dog that Bama had. And And then you got, you know, Calvin Ridley. Amari and Calvin were there at the same time. That's true. And you got Jerry Judy, now Devontae and Jalen Waddle. They got Mechie. Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, bro, they grow them over there. And grow them. No, they, they grow them in Florida, and they just go pick them out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 6'5", well, 250, yeah, you can play defense. Yeah, yeah, they want they want to do that one, about 175 pounds, and just can't fly. Yep. Javon yeah.
2: Baker is going to be the next one.
1: He got hops. That JoJo Earl kid is going to be the next one. He can freaking roll.
2: Jacob, and you know me, I, I'm a South Carolina fan, so I'm not talking shit. If I came up to you before Game One and said, "At the end of the year, you'll be playing in the Gasparilla Bowl as an underdog against UAB," I would have said, you, would, said bullshit." Would, would, I would have said bullshit. Yeah, but yeah. You know,
0: that's how that's how. It works. I don't think anybody
2: could have. I don't think anybody could have expected that. Just like you, just don't, you know, see that as being a possibility, but. I mean, just the worst part
0: about it is, like, you look at – I mean, for the past few years, you look at the roster and you're like, yeah, dude, like, we have some guys that can play. we got some guys with a lot of talent that can play, and it's just, like, just never – it just hasn't come together. I mean, you know, a big part of that is coaching, but it's just – it's so disappointing because, you know, I always get my hopes up that it's going to be a little bit better season, and the past few have just been getting worse and worse. So, but you know, new era. You know
1: who should really feel bad about this, though?
0: Will Champ.
1: Auburn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's no. Like you beat you beat you beat Vandy because you showed up with the pulse. Yeah, but Auburn, I get I get that you have a full strength defense at that point. But Auburn, come on, man! And then they and then they go out and hang like a hundred on LSU the next week. Yeah, I know. Like what? doesn't make
2: sense and then they but... fire their coach and contemplate hiring hiring kevin Steele. <laughs> it just gets bad and bad and then worse and then you think oh this shit can't get any worse and they're like hey kevin Steele's our guy and you're like holy shit
1: and then billy napier tells them no <laughs> like geez guys what are y'all doing didn't uh didn't freeze tell him no too I don't know. I haven't seen any. I haven't really seen anything. Like, have they even talked to Hugh Freeze? If that they tried to should hire the, other that should have been the
0: first guy they called.
2: Yeah, him shit, or Lane, Lane Kiffin. Kiffin I guess. Just, just call Lane Kiffin and be like, Lane, look, you know, Ole Miss is always gonna suck. It's, you're not gonna do shit over there. Just come to Auburn, <laughs> and we don't care what you do. Just be borderline, you know, clean. You know, you don't have to be like, you know.
1: Super he probably playing. told him. He probably told him step up their sorority game.
2: Yeah.
1: He, he, <laughs> and my boy Lane over there.
2: Yeah, old Miss got them shotties over here. Yeah, they do.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting watching that coaching surge because, yikes,
2: that's not good. A school like Auburn, there's no excuse. Like, what are y'all
1: doing? They should Kevin get Ray Steele? Tanner to help out with it.
2: <laughs> Shit. I think Ray Tanner will be like Kevin Steele, just, guys. They should just hire Muschamp. I think that's that'd be a good rebound for him. I think that's a perfect fit. Yeah, I think so it works out slowly, well. He can slowly make their roster look like shit, and then I that. I become that. the doorstep.
0: Yeah, I mean, South Carolina. South Carolina has Auburn on their schedule again next year, so yeah. If if they got Will Muschamp, then we're winning that game.
1: Nah, year year one he won't be able to burn it to the ground.
2: <laughs> How long was he at South Carolina? Five years. At least give him four years. <laughs> yeah, it takes uh,
0: him it takes him a good three years to really to really burn it to the ground. I mean in year two he went he, he got like nine wins. Yeah it and was nine and four. Gave him this big old extension for some whatever freaking reason.
1: Because he did really good. Yeah, it, is, it is with the a, roster he did not recruit. Yeah. Exactly.
0: But anyways, well, I guess we can hop into the picks. Sounds great. good to
2: me.
3: Well, yeah, yeah this they is a state uh state put it on North Texas today.
1: They did. They did. Um hey, we didn't get to pick that one, uh, because we've got a bunch of really uh I don't know what to call these. So we'll just we'll just go ahead and start.
3: Uh, obviously <laughs> we
1: have a uh we have a tie for the lead right now. Sid and DeVinny both sitting with hundred and forty points. Uh, and then and then Jacob right on their heels with one thirty eight. And then me, you know, I'm I'm down here with one thirty two, but you know, we're gonna make it happen. I, I I can feel the comeback is imminent. Oh, these picks are about to be when
3: I am picking the opposite whatever y'all pick. Yeah, <laughs> this is a total crap I mean, shoot. I, at this point, I gotta go for the top. Like if you're not uh, the first you're yeah, last, I mean, Bobby
2: god darn dude i'm looking at these schedules and these the... wow <laughs>
1: yeah like i said there's you know i apologize in advance so we'll just get right into it uh first game we're gonna have nevada uh playing tulane tulane is a three-point favorite in this one sid what you got
2: uh, I, I i mean I'm, I'm trying to come up with an answer here on like this is why i'm gonna pick this team i got nothing so i, I think i'm just gonna I'm just going to go with the uh, the spread, and they're telling me Tulane should win, so I'm just going to go ahead and lock in Tulane right there.
3: Dude, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to pick.
0: <laughs> uh.
1: Today, please.
0: Yeah, sometime during the podcast, hopefully.
1: Not tomorrow. At this rate, it'll be tomorrow.
3: Damn. I didn't know they beat Army. They went
1: to double OT with Tulsa. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who, Tulane? Yeah. Tulane also also got beat by, like, a 30-point comeback to Navy week two after Navy got destroyed by BYU.
2: Mm. All right, figure it out. Nevada also lost to a not-so-good Hawaii team. They did.
3: Yeah, they really haven't beaten anybody.
2: That's why I went with Tulane. All right, Tulane
3: it is.
0: <laughs> you know what, I think I'm going to go – I think I'm going to go Nevada here. Um, their quarterback, Carson Strong, is has had a really solid season, 22 touchdowns, four interceptions. Um, their leading receiver is, is quickly approaching a thousand yards for the, for the year. Um, You know, they don't have a super solid run game necessarily, um, but they, they air that bitch out. So I'm just going to go with Nevada.
1: Yeah. I'm with you, Jacob. Outstanding pick. Um, Tulane is six and five, Nevada six and two. Um, So they've lost less. Uh, Nevada also invented the pistol. uh, So, yeah, I mean the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. I mean, this is this is this is probably the best game of the bowl season, honestly. Hell with a playoff. <laughs> but with that said, uh, we get into a, a pretty good game. Uh, th- that game is tomorrow. So by the time you hear this podcast, these two games will have already been played. Um, <laughs> but the next one is a pretty good game. We have we have UCF and BYU, the Boca Raton Bowl. Uh, BYU is a touchdown favorite here.
2: Wow, another game. No idea who to pick they're here. All,
1: they're all about to
3: be like this.
2: I can't gain any traction. I, I've i watched UCF play this year in person. Um, they go really, really fast. They try to score a lot of points, and they, uh, they usually do that, other than against Tulsa. Um, shit. I guess I'm going to go – all right,
3: I'm going to go with UCF. All right, give me the Mormons, baby. Okay. <laughs> BYU.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going BYU too, to be honest with you. I mean, Zach Wilson's a beast. If you look at these two quarterback stats, actually, it's it's crazy how similar they are. They're both sitting about 3,300 3, yards with 30 touchdowns. Uh, Dylan Gabriel has four interceptions, and Zach Zach Wilson has three interceptions. Um, I just think I think BYU is a little bit more balanced in terms of having both, you know, a, a really good offense and then you know, pretty solid defense. So that's why I'm picking BYU.
1: Yeah, I mean, you guys are really disrespecting the 2017 national champs. Um, <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to Coastal here, but I. I think UCF would beat Coastal, and Coastal beat BYU. Like Sid said, UCF's gonna gonna try and score 100 points, and you know, I'm I just have more faith here in UCF. So 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 give me the Knights. I hear you. Next game up, this is another uh, a really good game. Uh, this is on Wednesday, December 23rd. It's the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. We have Georgia Southern playing Louisiana Tech. Uh, Georgia Southern has actually – the line's moved down a little bit, they're now in a five-and-a-half-point favorite.
2: Yeah, um, I'm going to go with Georgia Southern just straight off the rip. They've been playing football pretty damn good. They almost beat Army. Um, they throttled FAU, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, not throttled, but they beat them pretty decent. And, um, you know, they played Coastal pretty decently tough. Um <laughs> But they also lost some games that I'm really not sure about. So yeah, I hey, George State. <laughs> yeah before I, before I keep talking myself out of it, let me just set <laughs> up and choose
3: the damn team. Yeah, I'm gonna pick George Southerners too.
2: Oh, yeah, George Southern, that's how
3: I met.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with y'all. These are two teams that I really haven't watched and I don't really give a shit to watch them if I'm being completely honest. Um, George Southern has a really good ground game, obviously and you know, that's really – that's that's all I got, to be honest with you. So, I'm just
1: going go to go Georgia Southern. Um, Yeah, hell, give me Georgia Southern too. Let's not waste too much time on this. <laughs> uh, next game up, we have Buffalo, and, uh, and they're running back. That's probably got, what, 6,000 yards in five games. Uh, they're playing Marshall. Marshall was actually a pretty good team early on in the year, and then they decided to hell with it. We quit. Uh, they've lost their last two. Uh, so Buffalo a three-point favorite here, uh, despite losing to Ball State in the uh, the MAC championship. Yeah, uh, you just made my decision for me. Marshall's essentially quit
2: at the end of the year, I guess, and uh, Patterson runs for all the yards, so all I think he's I think he's going to run for all of them this game, and uh, I'm going to take Buffalo.
3: Yeah, I think I'm going to take uh, Buffalo here as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm with y'all. It's hard to go against little, little Jared Patterson. Um, I mean, he's got 141 carries for 1,072 yards and 19 touchdowns. That's averaging 7.6 <clears throat> 7. per carry. I mean, the dude's just been eating up defenses. So, you know, give me Buffalo. Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm with you. If he. All out for if he six
1: games. Yep. Yeah, which six is games. ridiculous. But one one game he had what four hundred yards?
0: Yeah, and eight of the touchdowns.
1: Huh, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> if he does that again, I'm I'm definitely taking Buffalo. But yeah, Marshall's like like I told Sid, Marshall's pretty much quit. Um, so I'll, I'll take I'll take the Bulls here. Um, next game up, Jacob. This one's going to be near and dear to your heart, the Gasparilla <laughs> Bowl. UAB is six and a half point favorite against Carolina. I uh I don't
2: like the fact that they're. Uh, disrespecting Kevin Harris, and uh, I think he's going to run for all the yards like Patterson's been doing. I don't think there's a chance UAB can really stop him. So, you know, I've said I've become a Gamecock fan and I'm going to take my Gamecocks here.
3: Yeah, honestly, I don't I was shocked to see such a big spread on this game. You know, it's going to be pretty good because, like you said, you're limited on defense, but I'm looking at the stats here from when they play Marshall, and they gave up 130 rushing yards to Marshall. Um, I think Kevin Harris can run for 230 yards against Marshall. So, um, I think I'm going to go USC right here.
0: Yeah, I agree with you guys. Obviously, I'm not going to pick against pick against my squad. Um, you know, like I said, defense should be a little bit healthier. Obviously, we're still missing all the guys we've been missing for the past few games. Um, but yeah, I think Kevin Harris can can run through this team. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting watching South Carolina play against a team that's not an SEC team. Um, so I'm excited for it. Hopefully, Kevin Harris does go for for two thirty, and hopefully Luke Doty has an efficient game. So obviously, I'm going Carolina.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the spread is kind of – it's making me want to pick UAB. I'm not going to lie. But I just – I just have no faith in UAB. Kevin Harris is going to run over these kids. I mean, I don't know who you are going to play at defense, but they're probably no worse than whoever UAB is going to have. So, I'll take Carolina here. Next game up is is a little bit of a rematch. Um, So, this is – this is going down next Saturday as well. Uh, Liberty and Coastal Carolina in the uh, the Mortgage Cure Bowl.
2: Uh, now that I got myself off mute there. Um, yeah. I, I, is Malik Willis playing? Probably. <laughs> Great
1: question. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah.
2: Just give me Coastal, damn it. Just give me Coastal.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Dang, dude, I don't know. Can we figure out if Malik's playing? Is he a senior? I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not going to lie. I have no idea
2: if he's playing <laughs> or not. Five days ago, Liberty quarterback Malik Willis test positive for COVID-19.
3: Hmm. All right. Coastal, it is.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly,
0: I think I would take Coastal anyways in this game. They've been on a roll, obviously 11 and 0. Uh, good quarterback, good running back. Their defense has been pretty solid, you know, with the mullets or whatever they got back there. Um, so, you know, give me Coastal.
1: Yeah. Same here. I'll, uh, I'll take the shots. Hey, uh, just a little
2: update. It says, Liberty has been in communication with Coastal Carolina about the COVID-19 concerns. Liberty still intends to play the game this weekend. Liberty did hold a normal practice this morning and has been following our normal COVID-19 testing protocols. The Flames are currently waiting a second test, as Willis is asymptomatic and in good health. So, they're going to try to get him clear to play. But, you know, hopefully for our sake, after just making our picks, he doesn't play. <laughs>
1: I think I think Liberty's probably the better team, just yeah. straight up. But if Malik Belos has COVID, it, it's going to be tough for me to pick. Uh, Wouldn't that yeah, be the
2: his second hero. time having COVID?
1: Yeah, he only off. gets he, he only gets COVID when they play Coastal. <laughs> <laughs> so the next game here on this list, um, you know, another another game, powerhouse teams. Uh, we have Louisiana and Billy Napier taking on uh, UTSA. In the uh, the third Pro First Responder Bowl, uh, Louisiana's a, a 13 point favorite here. Um, I'm not really sure what Louisiana was doing with the coaching decisions
2: not till I'll go, you know, purposely running out of the back of the end zone, and all that kind of shit. But I got no idea what the hell UTSA is about or uh, what they have. So give me uh, Billy Napier and uh, all those questionable decisions. I'll take Louisiana.
3: Yeah, uh, Louisiana all day every day.
0: Yeah, I agree with y'all. Uh, Louisiana is a good team. Um, I don't really know much about UTSA either. Uh, I see that the running back has has thirteen hundred yards and eleven touchdowns. Um, also has two hundred twenty six carries. But you know, I think Louisiana is a good team. So just give me them. We'll
1: we'll move on. Uh, Georgia State. Taking on Western Kentucky, uh, Georgia State is a four and a half point favorite here in the Lending Tree Bowl. I got no idea, so I'm going to go with the hometown state, the hometown team
2: here, and go with Georgia State.
3: Yeah, I'm going with Georgia State too. Western uh, Kentucky's uh, pretty bad.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, again, two teams I really don't know anything about. To be honest with you, you haven't mm-hmm. watched them play a single time this season. It looks like Western Kentucky's quarterback hasn't thrown a pick this year, which is pretty pretty interesting, but I I still go Georgia State.
1: How they're five and six with a quarterback that hasn't thrown a pick. Yeah, I don't know. Um, That's that's impressive. They may just Um, not let him throw a whole lot. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it looks like, Uh, but I'm not going to belabor the point. I don't know anything about either of these two teams, uh, so I'm going to go with the team that's closer to my house. So Georgia State. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the last last game on this uh, on this sheet. Thank God we finally made it uh, to a decent game with teams that I've seen play football in the past five years. Uh, we have Miami and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's a two point favorite in this game. Uh, this is the uh, the Cheez Its Bowl.
3: <laughs>
1: I
2: just feel like the. The Big 12 not that good, and the ACC isn't that good either. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like Miami is definitely the better team here. I've watched that uh, quarterback for Oklahoma State play, and he just kind of sucks in my opinion. So, uh, with yeah, no Spencer Chuba. Sanders. Yeah, with no Chuba.
1: I think he's hurt, uh, actually. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I don't think Spencer Sanders. I know he didn't play their last game. Well, if
2: the guy behind him couldn't beat him out for playing time, he's probably not a good situation for them either. So I'm still going to go with Miami. Mm.
3: Mm. Not so fast. (laughs) Uh, No, I I was going to pick Miami, but um, considering that there's only one game difference – we need two games difference to give me a chance to win the year. Um, I mean, so not necessarily. I'm, okay, we so got more picks here. next week. It Don't ain't worry. over
2: after this one, brother.
3: I know, but the games, you know, there's we'll lots of Tulsa. I know what you mean.
2: So you're going to OK
0: State, Devin?
3: Yeah.
0: Yep. All right, yeah. I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go Miami here. Um, honestly, I mean okay state has not been anything special like you said their quarterback kind of sucks juba hubbard has been you know really underwhelming like extremely underwhelming tylen wallace has been a bright spot i mean he has like half of the the passing yards from from the quarterback sanders but you know i think Miami is a pretty Uh, solid team if they come out and, and play disciplined football which you know that's a big
2: if but i think they can pull out the win yeah, typically the other teams they play have
1: the other half of his yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I I mean, does Miami even want to play this? That's Frankly,
0: another that's another question. Dude,
1: I picked i I picked Miami
3: against UNC and they shit the bed for me, so I'm going against them this game.
2: Miami's liable to shit the bed no matter if it's the national championship or whatever. If they don't want to play, <laughs> yeah. they don't give a shit. That's
1: true. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Miami because you know um, Oklahoma State they don't have um, what's his name Javante Williams and uh, Michael Carter. So as long as those two guys aren't there to catch felonies against this Miami defense, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll take De'Ark King. Uh, if that happens, if that
2: same Miami team shows up, then uh, the Vinnie's going to come out so like a rose because. Yeah. Miami still hasn't stopped North Carolina from running the ball down their throat.
1: Yeah, thank God time expired because, oh, my God.
2: That's the only thing that stopped it is time.
1: Yeah, that was uh...
2: – Sam and I were sitting there watching that game like, dude, I, I think they're going to have two guys over 300. And they were
0: close. So they, almost
1: did. They, were, they almost did. They were real close.
0: Yeah, well, I guess last week me and Sam tied – um at seven and two so sam if you have anything to say
1: yeah uh the hell with notre dame uh the hell with ohio state hope we hang a 100 on those guys um you know I'll, I'll break this down next week for you but not impressed with them um you know thought it was kind of funny that Dabo ranked him 11th in his coaches poll He's that, such a uh, bitch. That, was, that was pretty <laughs> funny um he really That's the funniest he shit thinks. he's
0: ever done. He's such a baby. He's
1: he's he's uh he's been on some something this year. You know, you know uh, he was sitting there like. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. But uh, but yeah, you know Rick's i gonna I back o- me
2: up on this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh boy, but yeah, um hate Ohio State. I think they're probably the weakest team in the playoff. Uh, so I'm glad we got them can't wait for that to blow up in my face if they beat us. Um, but you know, I'm on record of saying it. So yeah, that's all I got.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I, actually have quite the opposite to say, um, go bucks for sure. I hope Ohio state is pissed off about getting ranked 11th by, by baby rage Dabo, um, comes out and beats the shit out of Clemson. That would just be great. Um, you know, I think it would be really funny for Cincinnati to beat Georgia. I don't see it happening cuz Georgia is is a much more complete team now than they were at the beginning of the season, but I think that would be that would be But do they care though? That's true. Do they care? I don't know. We'll see. Um and Cox by 90. And also go go Yellow Jackets.
2: <laughs> I like it.
0: <laughs> Peace. But yeah, that's all we got. Thanks for listening. Um, We'll be back next week with another spicy episode about the playoffs. So make sure to be here. Be a spicy boy. But peace.